Hello, and welcome to the third episode of the second season of Talkin' Troy. My name is Aiden Berg, and I'm one of the sports editors here at The Daily Trojan. Today I'm joined by men's tennis beat writer Nick Kaufman. Nick, how are you doing? I'm doing pretty good. I'm really excited to be here. Thanks for coming on. Later I will be joined by photo editor and big baseball fan Tucker Judkins to preview the USC baseball season. But I want to start with tennis, which has gotten off to a really hot start this season. Uh, well, up until last weekend. So let's go through their season so far. They're 5-2 and two on the spring season. Uh, started 5-0 and oh in fairly dominant fashion. Only dropped two points before this last weekend. They were ranked number five, but this last weekend is where it went off the rails for them. Lost to number four, Stanford and California at home. So, Nick, you were there. Can you tell us about uh, a little bit about what happened at those two matches? I wouldn't exactly say the season's gone off the rails for them. Stanford, their top 10 team in the country, really strong. Last year, they beat us both times in the regular season as well. And right now, the biggest issue for the Trojans actually isn't doesn't have to do with the opponents at all. The team's been dealing with a lot of injuries. So in the Stanford match, the team won the doubles point, and courts one and two, our top two players, both won their matches pretty easily. But because we have all the injuries to the heart and meat in the middle of the lineup, a lot of players are forced to play up a level and play up against their opponent, and so that's really what did us in. But really, I have noth- I don't see anything wrong with that at all, because these are all talented players, obviously, but it shows the faith that coach peter smith has in his team and he was willing to say go out there compete play against stanford and they ended up losing by one point so i'd take that with a grain of salt and the berkeley match somewhat similar situation berkeley just came out firing the day before actually they played ucla and i had a lot of ucla players tell me they struggled with berkeley and barely squeaked by similar situation with them just the injury bug is strong is right there and present for this team so a lot of people are out and injured who normally would be playing three four singles so everyone's sort of been playing up a level but in the end I wouldn't be too concerned about these losses at all and SC typically is a team that doesn't struggle in the regular season but the closer matches against closer competition they tend to maybe lose in regular season play but as soon as the postseason comes around they kick it into another gear and always seem to find their way in the finals. So who are some of those players that are injured that you mentioned? Well, Lawrence Verboven, he's one of our top doubles players, as well as our number three singles player. He has a hip injury that that seems to be nagging him still, and it will be there all season long. And Logan Smith is also injured right now. I think he got a little bit of a bug, some sickness when he was in Australia, and is still getting over that. And more Bullis, a freshman who came in, was able to play against Stanford, but then maybe picked up something with his knee. I don't want to speculate too much, but his knee was pretty heavily taped in warm-ups against Berkeley. So it's just the three, four, five players in the middle of the lineup who are hurt, nicked up, injured. So a little bit of time off, maybe sitting out a couple of matches, they should be ready to go again. All right, and uh, you said some of the... Uh... The, the best players on the SC team are still playing really well. One of them, obviously, sophomore, Daniel Kukerman. So, yeah, he hasn't lost a match this season, I believe, during the spring season. 11-0 and in singles and doubles. What have you seen from him, and why has he been so great? He, honestly, he's just been playing lights out. Last year, towards the middle of the season, he got an injury towards in his abdomen, so he couldn't really serve at all. And so he maybe struggled a bit towards the end, but this year he's really just taking the next step, really played lights out tennis, playing really well to begin with. He looks like he has a strategy. He's looking to come in more, be a bit more 
of an aggressive player and attack. And it's really showing in his results this year. And who else has kind of stood out to you on, from, a, from a positive point of view on this team? Brandon Holt. He's a junior this year. He was our number one player. Over the summer, he played a couple of pro events, transition tour events, and had decent results. He actually picked up a win against top 50 player Taylor Fritz. And this is in the world, not in college tennis. So that's really impressive. He's just on a hot streak right now, really playing his best tennis, really feeling himself. He easily took out Stanford's number one player, Axel Geller. And his Axel is a top 10 player in the country, so it really is incredible, his level of tennis this year. Gotcha. So moving swiftly on to the women's side, actually, Nick is our men's tennis uh, beat writer, but he's also very dialed in with the women's team. We understand that you have uh, some information <laughs> about the women's team that, uh, that you'd have to tell us. I do. So for those of you that don't know, the team got a new coach last year, Allison Swain, and there's been some doubts and questions about her. She was coaching at the D3 level, and now she's coaching at USC Women's Tennis. So really a big, massive jump. And she really wasn't able to get her own recruiting class when she was hired. This year, her first year with her recruiting class, with her players, didn't get off to too much of a promising start. About two weeks into the season, she already had to dismiss one of her freshmen because of attitude issues as well as this player wasn't fully committed to tennis. So she had to get rid of the player. So it's been a little bit of a tumultuous start for coach swain so and as i understand it she just kind of disappeared off the online roster a few weeks ago no she beginning of the season i think they took her off but she hasn't been at the beginning of the season if you look through the team's instagram there were some posts with her and stuff and now nowhere to be seen oh interesting okay so well maybe covering something up here who knows (laughs) maybe who knows (laughs) um all right nick i think that's all i have for you actually is there anything else that you want to say just about the men's tennis team you know their season prospects i mean this is an experienced team now they know what to do i've been talking to a lot of people in involved in tennis especially some of the ucla guys i'm close with and they all think this is a team to fear and a team that if they all play how they should be playing, they will beat anyone in the country with relative ease, aside from maybe the top three teams, but even then they will win those. All right. Well, our resident uh, tennis expert, Nick Kaufman, we really appreciate you coming on. Do you want to tell the people listening where they can find you and your work online? Uh, yeah. So follow me on Instagram and Twitter. Uh, it's Nick Kaufman 14, N-I-C-K-K-A-U-F-M-A-N-N, and then a one four. And yeah, I mean, I'm posting from the matches and yeah. And check out his writing for the daily church. Oh yeah. Obviously <laughs> check out my writing. I almost forgot about that. Yeah. He does great work. So Nick, thanks for coming on. Thanks for having me. Aiden. And now I'm joined by our photo editor and a massive baseball fan. Tucker Judkins. Tucker, how are you doing? Hey, I'm really good. How are you, Aiden? I'm pretty good. Thanks for coming on the pod today. Nah, thank you for having me. So for uh, this, te- you know, for a team that has a historically great expectations, Dan Hub's uh, not so great through his six seasons with the team. Yeah, I mean that's right. You touched on it right there. I mean his record is under 500 as a coach at USC, and I mean for a program that is historically the best in NCAA history, I mean that's pretty unacceptable. Uh, I think that. 
this program needs to be turned around so that we can kind of get back on track to what we were. And uh, Hubs really has to prove that he's the guy who can do it. Um, in his seven years so far, he hasn't been able to prove all that much. I think he has one appearance in the in the tournament in 2015. You know, I think he, he has to get back this year. He, he, he just has to. He has to prove that he's the guy to turn this around. Yeah, it's a real bell curve when you look at his team's records, you know, since he took over. 2013, he went 23 and 36, got better up until that 2015 season that you mentioned when they went to the NCAA tournament. Uh, they had a 39 and 21 record there. They were really fantastic that year. And then ever since then, the next year, he dropped down to 500. And then. 2017 was a, a little worse than 2018. You know, he did better last season. Maybe this is just a it's a roller coaster ride where he goes up and down and up and down basically throughout his tenure. We'll see if he can get this team back up to a winning, you know, potential this year. He has a lot of talent though. And you know, there's expectations when you have talent that you should be able to win games. And Tucker, who are they going to have to replace though because they're missing two crucial contributor contributors from last year? Yeah, so this is very problematic for this team, actually. They're losing their two biggest bats from their lineup last year. Uh, Dylan Paulson, their first baseman, who led the team in both RBIs, home runs, and slugging percentage. I mean, when you lose a bat like that in the middle of your lineup, that's that's a huge blow. Uh, and then, of course, Lars Newtbar. He had a little bit of a down year last year, actually, uh, but having someone like Lars in the middle of your order, uh, you know, his presence alone scares the other team a little bit, and it it forces the guys to pitch around him. And so those are big shoes to fill. You know, both those guys got drafted because they're studs. And so, uh, you know, people are really going to have to step up. And so I'm looking at guys like Blake Sable and uh, Matthew Acosta. I think they need to come up and they need to bring their game to that next level. You know, they need to become the next pulse and a newt bar for this team if we want to compete this year. And if they aren't able to do that, then I have a hard time uh, seeing this team being successful. Yeah, just delving into those two a little bit more. Junior, catcher, and outfielder, he plays both. Blake Sable, he actually had a better batting average than either Paulson or Newbar last year. Uh, didn't hit for quite as much you know, power or as clutch. Only had 24 RBIs compared to Paulson. He had 41. That was by far the most on the team. Uh, but Blake Sable, I think, is definitely a guy who can come through as that bigger bat. You know, he He had a better batting average, as I said. But what they really need is a guy who can get those extra base hits and home runs that can just put up easier runs on the board. Because too often when I was watching them as the baseball beat writer last year, (laughs) um, too many many times when I was watching them, they would just try to like prick you to death with like singles and walks and stuff like that. And they just couldn't quite seem to get those big hits. They would leave a lot of guys on like second and third in scoring position because they were just hitting singles and they couldn't get those big advancements of players. So when you look at Blake Sable, he he was second on the team in slugging percentage with a 390 last year. So he's one of those guys who could step in and really hit the ball around the park. And same with Matthew Acosta. He actually had a better batting average, but he's another guy who just really needs to get that, get that power up really, and not just be hitting for like singles to get on base and then be left there. (laughs) Right. Well, I think one thing that's important to note too, is that, um, you know, driving people in is very important, but at the same time you have to stay within yourself as a player. And so if we come out at the beginning of the season and Blake Sable and Matthew Acosta aren't getting those, you know, those power hits that, um, that Paulson and uh, Newt Barr were getting last year, then they're going to need to make sure that they stay within themselves. And this team is probably going to have to revert to some small ball. Uh, that's something I'd love to see from them. I think that the key to doing that is having 
good batting average with runners in scoring position. You know, you were talking about getting those big hits, and those big hits don't have to be home runs necessarily. They don't need to be doubles, but they do need to execute, making sure that when there's people on base, they're getting them in, and there's plenty of ways to do that in baseball. That's part of the reason I love the sport. And so I I would love to see this team um, find their identity early on and make sure that they mold their team to fit that instead of trying to be people that they aren't. And the other, you know, top really high-rated recruit that they got in was outfielder Preston Hartzell. He was a top-ranked outfielder in California for the class of 2018, fifth-ranked player overall in the state, uh, 11th-ranked outfielder nationally, according to Perfect Game. So it's kind of a, it can be kind of a crowded outfield out there. Acosta is always an outfielder, and Sable, you know, sometimes plays outfield when they need Caleb Murphy or someone to go in there and play as a defensive catcher, but. Preston Hartzell is definitely a name to uh, keep an eye on as someone who could step in and really provide the Trojans with, you know, some offense and some defense, hopefully, (laughs) from that outfield position. Right, and I think Preston has a great chance of uh, being in the starting lineup because, you know, uh, we're missing Lars Newtbar this year. So there's an obvious hole to fill, and again, just just like Chander Chaplin, if he can come in and prove himself right away, then he, he'll, he'll be in there. Awesome. Well, uh, so Tucker, is there one key thing that you're looking for? I know you, you went to a few games to shoot photos last year, and you got to watch some of you know, what the Chargers were putting out there. Is there a key area of improvement that you really think that they need to hit on to be a much better team this year? We touched on it earlier. I think it's run, uh, hitting with runners in scoring position. Once we get people on, we have to be able to make sure that, that uh, they drive them in. I think that's the key to success, and I think uh, I think that's something that we should be looking for them to improve on this year. Well, Tucker, really, thank you for your time. We really appreciate you coming on the pod. Do you have any work or social media to plug for the people? Uh, you can find me on my website, uh, tuckerjudkins.com. T-U-C-K-E-R-J-U-D-K-I-N-S dot com or my Instagram, Tucker Judkins underscore. And everybody flood his Instagram with comments that he needs to get a Twitter because he's a journalism student. (laughs) Sorry, man. It's just the way it is. All right. Well, Tucker, thank you so much for coming on. All right. Thank you. That's it for this week. Thank you to everyone for listening. Help us out by subscribing, rating, and reviewing Talkin' Troy on iTunes or Spotify. And if you like what you hear, please spread the word. See you in two weeks. podcast was produced by Natalie Bettendorf, Karin Navadia, Catherine Yang, and Alan Pham.